As we now kick off our SMSU campus update, joining me as per usual, Bill Molso, Vice President for Government Relations, Communications, and Marketing. Good morning, Bill. Good morning, Josh. How are we doing today? Great. Good. I just had to double check because when I walked in here, I thought the sun was shining. Kind of, but it's cloudy. Yeah. You, you were right on with the weather. Would I ever be wrong? Nope. No, nope. no, 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 no. Especially about the weather. And joining us, special guest uh, here today. Hey, it's uh, Scott Kroll, Associate Vice President for Student Affairs and Dean of Students. Scott, good morning. Good morning. How are Thank you doing? Thank you for having me here. Yeah, it's it's a fun time already. We've been chatting a little bit before we went on air. We're looking forward to this discussion, right? Thank you. Absolutely. All right, let's get uh, into the discussion because you're the dean, which is a pretty cool title. I know basically growing up, everybody's like, hey, go to the dean if you have any problems. Do you have that? That kind of happens with everything, yes. Yeah. It, when in doubt, go to the dean of students. Yeah, no doubt. All right, well, well, let's talk about a couple of your areas uh, that you work on. Let's start with the fun one. Student activities. Tell us how student activities area works. Well, student activities at Southwest, um, they're all student driven. We have approximately 80 every year. We've had as high as 100 student clubs and organizations and as low as 60. All depends on what the students are looking for each couple of years. Uh, Student groups that want to form a club or an organization uh, work with Scott Ewing, our coordinator for student activities, and they work on putting together the paperwork and the number of students that they have that want to be involved in the club. And then they can ask um, SAFAC, which is the Student Activity Fee Allocation Committee, for funding. And they get the funding for the club, and they then can do what they wish. And we have clubs, everything from uh, rugby to biology, chess, um, all different clubs and organizations across the the spectrum. So if a, a student wants to start up a club from idea to an actual club, how long does that usually take? Oh, they could probably get that going in about a month. If they had their information together, get a constitution put together, which Scott Ewing would help with, and they can get the organization going fairly quickly. Then they ask for the funding and move forward from there. Yeah, you mentioned that uh, little tricky part where Scott would help them. Is there anything else where they might find some uh, roadblocks along the way that uh, they can get helped out with? That's pretty much the roadblock is yeah. getting all the paperwork put together. Uh Each club and organization always has the right to their own advisor, so they need to find an advisor, which Scott will help with. Excuse me. And normally that's a faculty member or a staff member on campus. Very good. And uh, there's a big student activities week coming up. What can you tell us about that? Well, we have um, winter meltdown week coming up the week of... Uh, February 6th through the 10th, and different clubs and organizations have activities that are going on across the campus, and then it culminates with Tropical Night on February 11th, which is the men's and the women's basketball night. And that's always a fun event. I've been to a couple myself. You know, the students, they get dressed up in all their tropical gear, and even though it's usually, I think every single time I've gone, it's like 20, 30 below. We, we yeah. usually plan it for that. Yeah, yeah good, that's good. something that always happens. Yeah, good time for a tropical night wearing your swimming trunks and flip-flops, that's for sure. <laughs> well, it's been a while since we've had a, a completely normal year of activities. How has it been trying to revive some of those older activities and things that were uh, sidelined due to COVID? 
It has been difficult, but a lot of the clubs are coming forward now that were that did go defunct during COVID and have since they already had a constitution put together, they were they were able to put um, that into place, ask for the funding, and as long as they had students that wanted the club to move forward, it just stepped right into gear. We've had at least six of those this year that I know of that have come forward that did uh, dissipate over uh, COVID, and that's been great to see and more that will be coming. I think one of the things that we also saw is that you have a number of historical events that just didn't happen there for a couple of years. So the new students, they didn't know how to interact. Tropical Night was probably a good example last year. It hadn't happened for a couple of years. So, you know, you needed it to, you need students to remember, like, oh, yeah, this is how this is supposed to be fun. And so yeah, that's just a, one example. Yeah, it's that kind of culture and tradition that yeah. you find quite often on campus, that's for sure. And uh, student government is a very important arm of student leadership programs on campus as well. Can you share with us a little bit about the student government structure on campus? Yes. Um, I am the advisor for student government and have been for 25 years or so. And student government, it's elected students for uh, president, vice president, treasurer, um, their executive board. And then also student senators are elected by the student body. And these individuals meet weekly to discuss happenings on the campus, everything from tuition fees, um, the expenditures of student fees, and they work with faculty, they work with staff and different groups on campus to give the students viewpoint of what they see needs to occur and uh, they meet with the president every two to three weeks, and I'm at every meeting along with usually at, one, at least one other um, president's cabinet member. Very good. And uh, go ahead, Bill. Yeah, you know, Scott just alluded to it a little bit, but one of the things we have to do um, by policy is we have to consult with students on tuition. So if we want to raise tuition or we want to raise a fee, we have to go through that student consultation process. Absolutely. Very good. And uh, the career services area provides some uh, very valuable resources to students as well. Can you tell us about some of those things that uh, career services offer? Yes, they everything from assisting with job searches to building resumes. Um, they bring career services will bring um, companies onto campus to to be here for, say, an afternoon or a morning. And students can make appointments to meet with them for interviews and we have several of those a year. They also bring larger groups onto campus, such as um, ag uh, companies. They will come to campus and meet for a day and hold open tables, and students can come through and meet with the different, um, the different vendors and work through potential internships or full-time positions. And, uh, Bill, you got one more thing? Yeah, I... It- Scott didn't brag about this, but he probably should. Josh, ask him what our uh, employment rate is. Hey, Scott, a completely natural question for me. What's your uh, employment rate there? We're looking at normally with um, employment within your major of over 93% and overall employment of approximately 99%. 
99% is pretty good. I keep challenging him to get to 100. It's like, <laughs> will you just hire that last person? That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, something that yeah. we, we, we should be pretty proud of. Melissa Skolton is the director over there. does a great job. Not only does she get those statistics, you know, which we're proud of, but she has to. She's required to reach out to everyone, and she gets a very, very high response rate with all our graduates. Yeah, if not the highest, one of the highest in the state every year for a response rate, as well as the um, job rate. That's awesome. That is very good news. And uh, moving on, we do have mental health as a big topic of discussion, really across the uh, country, and of course, college campuses. A big part of that arena with counseling and testing services a part of what uh your what new ways are you uh, trying to fulfill students needs in those areas sorry bill you uh i don't know i threw you off sorry yeah it was bad. a poorly written question or i just read it wrong one of the two <laughs> no you read it right it was bill's fault um now we have counseling services on campus and we normally have two counselors but currently we have one and we have had the position open since August, and it's been very, very difficult to fill the position, but it's been difficult across the entire state. If you look out on job search um, engines, there are positions open everywhere. So we're not the only ones, and we're looking for someone. And uh, if anyone out there wants to apply for the position that has the credentials, we'd be more than happy to talk with you. So thank you for that one. There we go. Free job posting. There you go. Radio. <laughs> Suddenly worked that yeah, in, didn't yeah. we? That was good. That was one good. of the one of the things that this is a, as Scott mentioned, it's a statewide challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the things that that's happened is there are a number of telehealth, I'll call it, or online services that students have, and we've got a United Way two one one program that students can access twenty four seven three sixty five. They can call. And we'll get them directed to uh, to some type of help. So that's one of the ways we're working to try and overcome some of these challenges with staffing is is uh, looking at what you can do with technology. Very good. And uh, what we've been hearing some ads recently right here on Marshall Radio, because we all tune into Marshall Radio, right, Bill? All the Marshall Radio stations. That's absolutely. Good. Especially when I'm calling sporting events. Yes, right? absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, talking about the value of living on campus. Let's talk about residential life. Roughly, how many students live on campus at SMSU? Our 10-day count each fall has been approximately 650 to 700 residents, and that's been fairly consistent. A number of years ago, we were higher, but we've also been lower, so it maintains right around that 650 to 700 residents. And, I mean, what's the capacity there. Oh, now there's a loaded question. Right? That's a tough one. It depends on if you, we have a lot of double rooms, mm-hmm. but the students don't want double rooms. So we turn the double rooms into single rooms, which reduces the maximum capacity. So we could probably take in 900 and be okay. But beyond that would be very difficult. We'd be packing them in and not meeting the needs of what the students are looking for. So you're saying like all these Students have their own dorm room now? A lot of them do, yes. Not all, but okay. many do. Spoiled, I tell you. I'm jealous. Yeah, no, I remember back in the day, you had to basically, had, yeah, rub elbows and shoulders with your uh, dorm roommate. You had to learn to get along times. with your yeah, roommate. Yes, no you doubt. did. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, what type of options do students have for living on campus? Well, 
we currently have three different, I, I'll call them levels of uh, housing options. One is the foundation apartments, and they're truly apartments. They're four-bedroom apartments with living area, kitchen, um, two bathroom shower areas, and that's one. The other one is Sweetland Hall. For those that aren't familiar with that, there are there are suites, and there are two living areas that are connected by a uh, bathroom shower area, and each of the living areas has their own sink, but those are more of suite level. And then we also have the traditional residence halls where the majority of the students do live because there's more numbers that way. And I do remember when Sweet uh, Sweetland went up. Do you remember which year exactly that was constructed? This was two, what, about 12 years ago? 2009, 2010, somewhere in there, yeah. I yeah. think, yeah. Yeah, so relatively new building and pretty nice facility. Still, still very popular with our students. I think it's yeah. really probably the number one choice. So Yeah. yeah. It's, my, my younger brother is currently residing there right now, so... Did you go visit? No. <laughs> I'm too old for that nonsense. Yeah, no. Uh, living on campus does have a lot of conveniences as well. Um, food service is a huge part of that one. I remember taking advantage of that. Uh, can you tell us about campus dining and the uh, options there on campus? Yeah, Chartwell's Dining Services is our current vendor, and they've done a fantastic job for us. If I won't go into the old vendor, but we used to or I used to, since it reports to me, um, I would receive two, three complaints a week, and now I don't get two or three complaints a semester. So it's been working fantastic. We have the all-you-can-eat dining area. We have Starbucks uh, Coffee House. We have um, another area where a cafe where it, the menu changes each week or each day. It could be subs. It could be pizzas. It could be a um, Wednesday potato bowls is the one I uh, hear about from the students. Yep. Wednesday <laughs> potato bowls is there. There's always a line. It's uh, I see. I'm getting confused. Uh, looks. It, it, well, I'm going to kind of is I'm thinking of like the KFC famous bowl kind of. Absolutely. Thing. There you go. Yeah, That's there you it. Go. Yep. yep. I can see why it's popular. Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting hungry. Uh, so I did want to ask you because you had you mentioned Starbucks. So some of these like franchise locations, do they just sign a lease and then they then they're out or do they renew it or how does that work? No, that's actually a contract through the dining company, which would be Chartwells, and this is a contract through um, Starbucks where they can get the coffee and other items, but they have to have specific or meet specific. Um, goals and specific location and specific items can be served at specific temperatures, those kind of things. Okay. Very good. And uh, moving on to the uh, next question. Does SMSU require students to live on campus? I think you mentioned no. Well, yes. Yes. <laughs> Entering freshmen are required to live on campus unless they live within a 45 mile circle of Marshall where they can then live at home. Students that live at home within that radius do not have to live in the residence halls. Otherwise, yes, they do. Well, we live within 45 miles, but my parents kicked my brother out. They're like, no, you're going on campus. Your it's parents good for are you. smart. You know, yeah. then, you know, that's one of the huge benefits of living on campus is that you're going to get more involved. You're forced to get involved. And 
Yep. You know, we we strongly encourage it. And I, I always said to my kids, if they would have stayed in town, you weren't living at home. Yep. Nope, you're going on nope. campus because yeah. it's a completely different experience. Oh, yeah. So. yeah. Mine lived on campus here also. Yeah, and he was the last of four kids. I'm pretty sure the parents were. It's time. Yeah, you know, they <laughs> cried at the, the day he left, but I'm sure the next couple of days were like, it's so quiet. All the laundry is done. There's like not this. a mess all over the living room. You know, stuff like that. So, uh, can you tell us some of the great benefits of li- uh, living on campus? Yeah, the students that live on campus always have, well, there's higher average grade point average. Student, like Bill indicated, students get I thought he involved. said higher like me. That's what I thought he was going. <laughs> yeah, nice try. Um, I don't think Bill's ever raised. But, you know, you don't have a monthly rent or utility bill or, you know, internet is covered. You don't have trash that you have to worry about. You don't have to mow the lawn. You don't have to shovel the sidewalks. All of those things are taken care of. Um, drive time. You don't have drive time or bus time to get to campus. You're just there. You get up, you walk to class. It's a lot faster. Um, easy access to the clubs and organizations that we talked about just a minute ago. Um, we have living and learning communities that may, um, fill the need of some students where students of the same interest can live together and some of them have the same classes together so they have a little better community support and the safety rating of our residence halls is exceedingly high with uh, public safety uh, making rounds 24 7 and even in the nighttime hours we have somebody that's actually housed out in uh, the residence halls that's there for assistance. Scott, you mentioned now that we don't require, we require freshmen, but beyond that, we don't. So one of the things we're doing this year is offering an incentive for students to come back and live on campus. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yes. All students that want to come back to campus, whether they're living there now or they moved off campus and want to come back, we're offering a $1,500 stipend for those students to come back and live in the residence halls. And all they have to do is come back, sign a contract to move in, and fill out the documentation. There's no special paperwork or anything. It's just sign up, and you're not an entering freshman. You're a returner, so you get the $1,500 stipend. And with those three levels of residence halls that you mentioned, are we pretty full in either of those, or is it pretty even, or how does that work? It's pretty even percentage-wise. Um, foundation, Sweetland, and the traditional halls, the percent of total beds is pretty well equally spread. Very good. Bill, you got anything else? It looks like you do. I, I do. I have one more question, and we purposely didn't put this on the script because, you <laughs> know, we don't want to tip Scott off to what's coming. But Uh-oh. Yep. Scott's retiring here. Oh. So I, I just, you know, and I've worked with Scott for a long time. Mm-hmm. I, I'd like to hear from Scott with retirement coming up really soon. What, what's been your best memory of working at Southwest? Oh, it had to be you, Bill, as, you know, being a tip him off either. <laughs> as, you know, golf teammate, it had to be Bill all the way across. <clears throat> okay, be serious now. Um, we moved to Marshall in 94 and raised four daughters here my wife was the head athletic trainer here for many years and she just retired 
And we thought we'd be here for four or five, six years and move on to a bigger campus, bigger community. But we just fell in love with the community and the school. And we decided to stay. And even once retired, we still are planning to stay here in the general area. So, yes, I'm retiring in July, but have no desire to leave the community or region. It's been a wonderful place for us and for our kids to grow up. That's awesome. That's awesome. And uh, you're gonna, so you're going to stick around, going to do plenty of golfing throughout the summer then? Well, we'll see whether it's golfing or bicycling or whatever it might be. But, yes, there'll be plenty to do. Yeah, what are your, your plans? Because, I mean, you're retiring, but somebody like you, the dean, I'm assuming you've still got to stay busy, right? Yeah, well, my wife said the first two or three weeks I have to just sleep. <laughs> and after that, get into a routine of not waking up at 5 o'clock in the morning. Um, but actually, you know, we're hoping to travel. We haven't had an opportunity to travel back in, I've told others back in my athletic days, I've probably been in 40 different States, but you go to a community and you're there, you know, it's Austin, Texas, you're in Austin, Texas. That's it. You don't get to see anything else. So we're hoping to get around and see things that I haven't had an opportunity to see everywhere from. Alaska to Texas. You thinking out of the country too, maybe over to Europe or something? Don't know about that. Okay. My wife has traveled to different countries, France, Spain, mm -hmm. um, Mexico, different places. I haven't, but we'd like to hit as much of the United States first. Every, mm -hmm. you know, Maine in the fall would sure be wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Well, I think that'll just about do it. Great stuff here this morning. That is Scott Kroll, Associate Vice President for Student Affairs and Dean of Students, who is on his way out here at, uh, did you say the end of July or the uh, start of July? Start of July. Start of July. So just a few months left. Uh, we do wish you the best in retirement, Bill. I'm assuming you do have some stuff for us, but uh, go ahead and run through it. Why don't you? You bet. Yep. Well, coming up, uh, we have wheelchair basketball is finally at home again. And so we get a chance to see them this weekend. Uh, Saturday, they will be hosting a tournament. Saturday, uh, uh, first of all, Manitoba uh, will be their first opponent at 9 o'clock in the PE gym. And then the Sioux Falls Wheelers uh, will also be there at 1230. They'll be taking them on. And there will be a couple of games to follow depending on how that tournament plays out. Sunday, big wrestling match on campus. Uh, the Mustangs are home. It's their brownout event. And we talked last week about the uh, gamer match of the year put on by SAC. Well, they have chosen that to be their SAC match of the year. So 2 o'clock, it's their brownout event. So come on out and watch the Mustangs take on Augustana. Uh, and then we talked about uh, Brassapalooza last week. So, again, a reminder to folks in the community, if they like to participate, this is coming up on... Saturday, February 4th, so another week away. Uh, but Brassapalooza, so any brass players in the area that want to come out and spend the afternoon, uh, the gentleman that will be uh, joining them as the guest artist is Daniel Kitchens. He's a French horn player. He's the principal horn player with the South Dakota Symphony Orchestra. So come on out at 9. There's a full day of rehearsals and then a concert that's free and open to the public at 5 o'clock on February 4th. And then just a reminder, Gold Rush Raffle coming up February 17th. So if you need tickets, reach out to the athletic department or any Mustang Booster Club member. We'll get you lined up. So 